How bad was sex education in high school? <laughs> it was the worst. That's why we wanted to start this podcast. Dr. Stormy and I knew that there are so many folks out there that want to learn more, that want to start conversations, that want to be vulnerable and express their feelings, emotions, wants, and desires. And that's what Sex 101 is about. Dr. Stormy has spent so much time working with couples, working with men and women. I myself have worked with lots of men talking about relationships and sex and where we're at today with our sexuality. So come join us. This is going to be a great episode, just like all Sex 101 episodes. You're going to learn a lot, you're going to laugh a lot, and we're going to have a great time. All right, we are back. How are you doing, Stormy? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, too. I was, I was just, uh, I'm trying to cook my very first chicken pot pie, and I don't know if it's <laughs> going to go good or not, because I got the recipe off a video from TikTok. I, <laughs> TikTok is like, the everything for me. I look. I type in anything I need. It's like a faster yep. YouTube for me in a way. Yeah, totally. Oh, chicken pot pie is going to be so good. Comfort food. Yeah, I know. It's it's well, it has been cold here in Illinois, but now of course today it's like seventy two and sunny. I'm like, man, I want to. I wish it was like a little chilly, but at least the leaves are changing. So, uh, okay, we got a great episode for you folks today. Um, it's called obsessed and repressed about sex. And uh, this one, when Stormy, you came up with this uh, topic for this week, and it really did hit me a little bit because I feel like sexually my religious upbringing really dented my, uh, dented isn't even the right word. I think it really caused some real issues with me sexually about how I thought about sex how I engaged with sex, how I hid mm -hmm. things with sex and how I, honestly I felt embarrassed or I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I mean, it, it, and what was really crazy is I, I loved it that you said obsessed and repressed because it felt like both of those. It really did. Like, like it was almost like you couldn't talk to anybody about it. So it was always on your mind <laughs> in a way. And, you right. know, man, with yeah, my religious totally. uh, upbringing, it was like, don't talk about it, but you knew everybody kind of was doing something <laughs> behind the scenes and i was like what are they doing should i be doing that no i shouldn't right. it's what's right what's wrong and so i'm really glad we're doing this episode well and i want to just take a moment and honor you toby because that was your background and your upbringing right no you know no fault in family of origin but that was your upbringing and here you are with a sex 101 podcast teaching <laughs> people all sorts of good sex ed so yay for you it's amazing well, I, I appreciate that you're right i think that is one of the reasons why i was i was it was so repressed and it was i mean all the the adults that told me to don't have sex till marriage it, it's dangerous it's bad it's evil they all did it like they yeah. all did. I mean, my parents had me out of wedlock. That's why yeah. they got married because yep. I came along. I mean, that, yep. I found that out years and years later, but I was like, wait a minute, yeah. hold on. There has to be something more here. We can't just say this is evil. Don't do it. And then not talk about it again. So. Right. Right. And you really said it well, right? Like how confusing because they're like sex is literally being like jammed down our throat you know, societally media, you know, culturally. And then at the same time we're told, often told that it's bad and we need to like repress it, hide it, shame it only behind closed doors, never talk about it. It's like, that yeah. is really confusing, very mixed messaging. Right. And, and really like when we came up with this topic, this is one of the reasons we created this podcast. Like, I don't even know how many episodes we've done, like 30 or something like that, but, or more maybe, but this is because partly because it's so confusing out there for people. Yeah. This is for our teenagers, our tweeners, our teeners, but also for adults. It's very confusing. 
right? And we believe at Sex 101 Podcast that knowledge is power. And the more we have these conversations and the more we educate and we hopefully add some levity and laughs and playfulness to it, we start to, you know, brick by brick, de- this deconstruct all the confusion around sex. Yeah. Because to your point, even people who are saying it's bad, unless they're celibate or having sex. Right. You know? So it's very confused. It's very mixed messaging. And in my world of working as a mental health therapist and dual diagnosis for so long, there are so, there is so much sexual trauma, but there's also so much just non-sexual trauma that impacts sexually. And so it's just, you know, it is such a pervasive, you know, and I was trying to think, I was thinking about, so really this episode, I, you know, is I usually have a ton of research and this episode is more just, I wanted to just kind of jam out with you, Toby, and hopefully yeah. our readers and our listeners can can chime, can email us with their questions about it. But, you know, part of it is that what I was thinking, I was like, why are we obsessed about it? I was like, because it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Because sex <laughs> is awesome. That's just it the reason we're obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, great consensual sex is awesome. It exactly. is awesome. It is awesome. Before it's our phones amazing. and televisions and stuff and <laughs> technology, it was the greatest pinnacle, all, you know, two two people could share almost. So right, totally. And we are, and to your point, we're all sexual beings. Like we would cease to exist without sex, right? Yeah. So we are all sexual beings in varying degrees of in touchness with our sexuality. Um, but you know, it is awesome. It's amazing. It's magical. It's a fabulous gift. It's sacred. It's, it's so powerful when it, like you said, when it's consensual. Right. And so, you know, so that's one of the reasons I think we're obsessed with it as a culture. Another reason is dopamine feels really good, right? Not yeah. just dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, you know, endorphins, all these things, it feels good. And it stimulates all that in our brain. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking is sex sells, right? Because yes. it's so appealing, yeah. mm-hmm. sex sells. I mean, I, I was thinking about this as I, I was thinking about this topic yesterday and I was like, hmm, they even have like, you know, I can't remember, I think it was Burger King or like, I don't know, Carl's Jr. or somebody, but they had like, this is years ago. They had this like scantily clad girl, like leaning over Parties. eating this yeah. burger heart with like dripping all down. And I'm like, gosh, I like, I was like, I don't want the burger, but she's pretty hot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as a teen, I might have handled some business to that commercial. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as a teenager, I was like, this has got me. I'm going, I need Hardee's now. <laughs> Hardee's now. Now. <laughs> right. Right. So sex sells, right? Yeah. It sells because it feeds our senses. It's beautiful. It's sexy. It's sens- it's like sensational, right? Um, but I mean, it's like even like, you know, Harley Davidson, it'll be like a scantily clad girl on a Harley Davidson. And I'm like, what are the chances she could actually ride a Harley Davidson? I don't know. Maybe she can, right. but like it's, it sells, right? And media has known forever that sex sells. Yeah. And it still does. You're right. Like I was thinking that same thing while, while you were talking. Just the idea that, yeah, like a, a lady in a bikini or even a guy with his, you know, abs showing and he's just selling some cologne or or something, you know, like it just, there's something about it. I think that feel fills inside of us, maybe a little bit of a hole or a little bit like, whoa, if I get this product set, it'll be, I'll be sexy or maybe totally. th- that sexy person will notice me or something like that. You know, like maybe that, right. that hot guy or hot girl would, would look at me and go, Whoa, that there, you know, I know it's a fantasy, but that fantasy sells. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, so from soft drinks to cars to everything, sex is the lore because to your point, when you, what is the, and they say you have like two seconds to grab someone's attention. 
you're going to stop and look at an attractive scantily clad person right. you know even if, even if it's like the same sex and you're and you're heterosexual for example i mean it just really has an allure to it um you know but it's interesting because what you just said there about like subconsciously and i think it's true that we like think subconsciously or or maybe consciously that like oh i'll be sexy if i have that car or that piece of clothing or you know whatever or that body right um it really is externalizing our sexy and this is like the downside of sex cells right um because sexy is an inside job feeling sexy and powerful is an inside job right and and so we just to be aware of like that you're you know, that you're externalizing your sexy to what other people might see or perceive. And we all do it, right? Because what's interesting is that the more we sex obsessed we are as a culture, I believe as as a sex coach, sex and intimacy coach, the more disconnected and desensitized we actually become to sex. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're totally right. Because what we see now, we would never have seen 20 years ago. And literally how porn is designed just to be more and more and more higher, harder, faster, like actually designed on a neurological level so we start to we start to attenuate and then they have things have to get sexier to get our attention and yeah. so it's really an interesting phenomenon that we're like disconnecting and desensitizing the more it's in our face it seems like it works like a drug the same way as like heroin yeah you, very much you, does you eventually just take heroin just to not be sick you don't even have the same highs as, as you used to or you have to take more and more exactly. to get that get that high have to look at more and more porn to get that and i think too the, the thing like just even going back a little bit to my story i just grew up in a very very like the most conservative christian uh, family like i mean the church that i went to women weren't even allowed to like they, they weren't even supposed to cut their hair that's why they, they had you said those huge beehives you know that's what i used to call them like, like they, mine <laughs> no but yours is yours is cute this is like uh, like marge simpson in real life you know what i mean it really is it was like i mean it was like 30 40 women at my at the church i grew up in looked like that. And, the, and nobody else wow. in town looked like it. i was like what am i is something off here? Am I not? Why don't they can't wow. put their hair down? But I mean, like my parents didn't have wedding rings. Women weren't really. You could wear, you know, like a long skirt all the way down to your ankles. Uh, they didn't want women wearing jeans because it might could reveal like a, wow. a their butt cheek a little bit, like the shape of their butt. Um, but but you're right. But it felt too that a lot of the sermons oftentimes were about sex and don't like it was like it not like it was that a lot of the people were very into the idea of talking about sex, but had to do it with a caveat of don't do it outside of marriage because it is really bad and it's terrible. And so all I really thought about for the longest time was sex must be really bad. And and the only way you can Mm -hmm. ever even come close to it is with your married partner or else you are going to go to hell. You're going to be a bad person. You're going to lead another person astray. It's going to be awful, awful, awful. And I understand, I don't think those people were evil or bad that were telling me that I think they were trying to protect me and protect others and, and hopefully do the right thing. But that repression, like you say, made it so much more where I had all these questions and were just, you know, as soon as totally. I could find anything out about sex, I wanted to know more and more and more because everybody Absolutely. wouldn't even really talk about it. Cause all I, all they would say is it's evil. Right. And, and repression literally has never worked in the history of man. And yet we keep trying it as a strategy, know, you know, right. I mean, and to your, like from a psychological when you're talking about teenagers it's sort of the opposite right the more you focus on don't 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 it's bad it's bad it's bad never 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 the more interested we become in it right yeah. the more perseveringly interested we become in it right um and and yeah i mean so your story is so profound because because of like purity culture right and, and religious upbringing 
But then even in non-religious upbringings and families, I have worked with so many clients where it, because it's just an uncomfortable subject for so many people, they're like, oh, it was never talked about. And I'm talking maybe like this was even an atheist household. Like it was never talked about. And it was masturbation, for example, was something you did behind closed doors or in the shower quick and hope mom didn't walk in, you know, kind of thing. And, and it's so, yeah, absolutely. Purity culture and religion and cultural messagings, you know, but also just like sex makes people uncomfortable. I mean, one of my deepest desires in this life would be that we start to get so comfortable talking about sex in a healthy, conscious way that it's like, we're talking about the weather, right? It's like really, and that takes practice. That's what we try to practice on this podcast, right? But the you know, behind closed doors or it's something private, it's something dirty. It's something that like, Oh, we do it only create bait. It's like, that is so, so not healthy and so not good because it's a beautiful thing. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, and there's a, there's a patriarchal aspect too that we should like, that we'd be remiss to not bring in. It's like, and as a woman, it like drives me crazy because, you know, like I'd say my college days, if a guy was sleeping around, he was a player. Yeah. But if a girl was yeah. sleeping around, she was a slut yep. or a whore, you yep. know? And I'm like, well, that's an interesting little slant on things. So a sexually empowered woman might be called a slut. Now I'm like, yeah, dude, call me a slut. I take that as a compliment, <laughs> you know? But when I was in my teens, I would not have, right? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's patriarchy going on too. There's so much that plays into this obsession repression thing that we have going on. Yeah, I found in retrospect for myself, uh, I thought about for long, like all of, and for me, like all the authority while I was growing up was men, you know, women weren't allowed to preach or teach. Um, And so these men were talking about sex and they were oftentimes 65, 70 year old men talking to a 16 year old boy who's going through the height of puberty and just every other, every other hour is a boner. And I mean, it was, and you <laughs> yeah. just, all you can, I, I mean, I remember being a teenager and just thinking, how can I think of anything else, but right. that girl over there in my class right. that I'm just like, oh my gosh, she's so totally. beautiful. And I just, I don't even know what to do, but it's, I feel something. <laughs> I didn't even right. know what to exactly. do. And, and I, exactly. I can remember I worked at a, uh, so there's this, uh, pretty, uh, it was kind of crazy. Well, I shouldn't say crazy. It was uh, extremely conservative and controversial, maybe is the better word to use, uh, Christian college called Bob Jones University in South Carolina. It was, it was, I lived in Greer, South Carolina. Our big town was Greenville, and it was in Greenville. And I ended up working at a, a snow cone stand across the street from Bob Jones, and it was super conservative. Like, uh, you know, boys and girls couldn't be in each other's rooms at all. You know, you had to uh, – it, it, it was like they were super uh, strict – and you could see oftentimes people, the students I, from my snow cone stand, they would walk out and then walk down the, and they had to wear uniforms. They'd walk down. And when they got a certain light, they would take their uniforms off and be wearing like either skirts or shorter, more revealing clothing and stuff like that, because they, mm-hmm. because they were so strict and everything. And, and I was like, wait a minute, they're not doing really anything wrong, but if they get caught, it will be wrong. They could get expelled. I mean, it could be, a, and I was like, even in that moment, I was like, man, first of all, I was like, whoa, look at that. I was like, oh, God, you know, as a teenager, <laughs> <laughs> wow, what are they doing? I need to get that. Uh, but um, I, I was like, man, but they're not really doing anything wrong. Even then, I thought the, the, my teaching, the people that had taught me, I was like, this doesn't make much sense. And and why are they doing that? Not just to rebel, 
maybe they're trying to express themselves and that's not what Bob Jones University or the some of the more conservative Christian stuff was about, but they weren't doing anything wrong. And so they had to hide and sneak and do something that yeah. wasn't wrong. And then it made it right. wrong. And so then right. of course there's some kind of, you know, lasting effect from that. Right. Totally. That was so well said, right? Like that really leaves these very deep marks when we're told something is wrong, bad, secret, dirty, right? Whether we're explicitly or implicitly or both told that, that those that leaves marks. But the beautiful thing, the invitation, and that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well, I don't just want to be, you know, Debbie Downer in this episode about how we're obsessed and repressed about sex. I mean, you know, I wanted to give you guys some ways to resensitize and sort of fight the repression. Um, but, you know, is that it's such a beautiful thing and that we can repattern ourselves. We can even repair on ourselves, right? Like, so we can start to develop no matter what age we are, no matter where we are in our journey with our own sexuality, we can absolutely start to have healthier, better relationship with our own sexuality, with sex in our relationship, you know, with pornography, with all of these things. So that's the invitation. Like that's the exciting part. Like you, if you're listening or watching this podcast, you are obviously interested in this, you know? Yeah. And I'll say this too, even from my own experience, uh, porn, I do, I do think steals some of that. I don't think porn, I used to, I was told it was just totally evil and I don't think it's as evil as I used to think. And I think it can be even used in a, in a potentially a healthy way. That's up to the viewer, but I do think the amount of it can steal some of that, uh, excitement and joy of just what sex can be with you and your partner. Um, and, and what it is. Like what it, it, it creates a false narrative often, um, <laughs> that I think leads people astray or it even leads to, uh, you know, expectations that you can never meet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, like these are professionals. <laughs> I mean, and, you know what I mean? Like they're, they are, they're doing porn for a reason, the same way as that, you know, a right. football player, you, you're not going to go out on the NFL football field and, <laughs> and do as good as them, but with yeah. sex, but with sex, well that's said. what's so cool about it is you can have great sex with anybody like your, I'm talking about your physical body. Like my body mm -hmm. is capable of having great sex and I can find yeah, And so, and, and you know, and I'm not like the most shredded ripped person. I'm not, you know, I'm just a normal person. And, but that's, what's so cool about sex. When you, when you find the right person, you have that consensual sex and you move together, it really does become something beautiful and pure and yeah. good and fun. And mm -hmm. a lot of that repression and obsession can go away because it, it really is mm -hmm. beautiful. It really does feel amazing. And you really can be a great lover. I mean, you say that all the time. Totally. Everybody can be a great lover. Yeah, so well said. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, enough of the obsessed and repressed. If you're feeling that way, well, should I we give the five ways? Should oh, we give our gosh. Five I, did, I didn't even think about that. I'm sorry. We've been talking so much. I, okay. I forgot we got, you got five ways. Yeah, let's go over them. Let's do it. So, five ways to resensitize and fight the repression, right? So, one, number one, you're already doing it because number one is educate yourself. So, you're listening to our podcast, Sex 101. There's so many, so many fabulous resources out there YouTube, TikTok, books, classes. Mm -hmm. Like, you are never too old to educate yourself on sex. So, keep educating yourself, number one. Number two, focus on sensual rather than sexual. Okay, because when I was talking about this getting desensitized, things that would, would have been very sensual slash sexual now aren't even registering because we've gotten more and more and more higher, harder, faster, not just in porn, but in media, like what's on your feed. So, and that's okay. Like no judgment, but focusing on sensual, like really the next time you, if you have a partner, next time you're having a sexual encounter with a partner, really focus on their sensations, their smells, their touch, the feeling of their touch. 
you know, if you're making love, what does that really feel like? I mean, it sounds simple, but just staying with sensation can really is a really beautiful way to kind of fight this this desensitization that we have going on. Yeah, and that helps you stay present. And if you are enjoying sex, there's a really good chance your partner is too. So don't totally. just go, I have to please them. And be present right. and enjoy your pleasure. And that allows pleasure to happen for both. Of you. Yeah. I love that. Claiming your pleasure, like unabashedly, it doesn't make mm -hmm. you selfish. It makes you, it makes you a, a human and it makes you a good lover. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you're not thinking about your partner's pleasure. That was so well said, but you really, you're also not, you're not also subjugating your pleasure. Right. So that's, that's really well said. Uh, yeah. And the third point is, and then I just wrote this one down last minute, but if you're using, if you are using, if you are a woman out there and you're using a vibrator often in your self-pleasure practices, just like cool it on the vibrator for a little while, see what happens. Like I am not anti-vibrator. I love vibrators. I think they're amazing, but you know, it, it has such a, again, that higher, harder, faster, you can get where you are not dependent upon, but you really prefer the really high vibration. And maybe when you're making love to your partner, if you have a partner, it's not as high vibratory. So just playing with it, try self-pleasuring without a vibrator just give it just give it a week give it a month see what happens so yeah that, um, that's a great point i i uh, read an article recently too uh for the men out there uh i would say watch how you are masturbating because there are a lot of men mm -hmm. that are masturbating with a very strong grip and then yeah, feeling totally. less sensitive when they have intercourse and it's causing you know you know issues in the bedroom so if you are masturbating frequently or with a very firm grip uh that could actually mm -hmm. you know mess things up in the bedroom yeah that's really yeah great point totally um and then the fourth one is just breath work right so the more we learn to breathe we talked we, we talked about in, in the last episode with a listener question about how to be a better lover but like slow down slow down your breath take it slow right really really slow down your breath be present okay um is really powerful. Like it helps you to be more present. It also helps to prolong, you know, the lovemaking, uh, helps to like really enhance foreplay. So really nice, slow, deep breathing. It's really sexy to sync up your breath with your partner to breathe mm -hmm. in together, breathe out together. It's really beautiful. It also like syncs up your nervous systems, which is super cool. Okay. And then the last one, which we Toby and I talk about all the time, communicate with your partner. And I think this is probably one of the most powerful tools to, to start to dismantle, the repression around sex is to start talking about it. And because there are, we've said this so many times, there are so many couples that never talk about sex. Yeah. Right? So start talking about it. Watch our episodes on how to communicate about sex. We have so many, um, but start talking about it. Have the conversation. Yeah. And we say that so much because it is probably the hardest thing to do. We, we keep reiterating communicate because that's the thing people avoid the most don't want to do don't because it you have to be vulnerable. You have to listen, you have to share, uh, you know, and so when we say that we're going to say it over and over, probably in every podcast, communicate, 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 because that is the way you can get through things. Cause you need to know more about the, how people are feeling. You need to know more about their story. You need to share your story. That's the way we can really connect. Totally. I mean, and, and after those, so those are the, the five tips. And if you're feeling like out there, you're listening or watching, you feel like you want more support. I offer a, a complimentary 30 minute complimentary discovery call. You can book it on lovedeeperlab.com. Um, it's just to kind of dive into the work that I do, the one-on-one -on -one or couples coaching, um, and also just to support you further. So check it out. If you're like, Hey, I need some more help than these five tips, but I want to really start to have a healthy relationship with my sexuality. I would be honored to have a call with you. Awesome. All right, let's get to uh, a stump stormy. Okay. It's time to stump stormy. 
Let's say, okay, I thought this one was interesting. What is something, Stormy, that uh, women can wear that can negatively affect their orgasm? Hmm. Um, I would say like non-breathable underwear, like tight underwear. Good guess. Um, no, the answer is high heels. Oh yeah. I actually uh, heard that one time. Yeah. Certain high end shoe brands develop the arch in their high heeled shoes to approximate the arch in a woman's pelvis. When she's having an orgasm, the heels create a contraction in the pelvic floor, which is problematic because the pelvic floor then cannot contract further during orgasm. And orgasm wow. is usually like going from zero to 60. It says, uh, explains Fromberg. Uh, if you're already at 55, uh, from wearing heels, you're not going to have a full experience. So wow, did magazine. not know that. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Absolutely agree with that. That's so interesting. The pelvic floor, and you know, and Kegels, and we can have we can be over tight or under tight on the pelvic floor. But that I had no idea that. I, I bet it's really high heels. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's very funny. Sorry if y'all can hear my dogs uh, barking. I think they smell the uh, chicken pot pie that I'm making. Chicken pot so pie. We'll <laughs> anyway, all right. That was Stump Stormy. All right, let's get to uh, listener questions. Have a question? We've got answers. Here's this week's listener question. All right, here comes the first one. About once or twice a year, I have a dream where I have sex with another man. I guess I would say I enjoy it, uh, but was wondering if it had any meaning about my sexuality. Could I be gay or bisexual? And that comes from now that's a wet dream. <laughs> so beautiful question. Thank you for asking and being brave. So, yeah, I mean, you know, sexuality is an evolution, right? And it is not like we're not in a box typically of heterosexual or, or bisexual or, you know, it, it's so there's a spectrum. So maybe there maybe, but it's very unlikely that a same sex erotic dream means that you are gay or bisexual. Um, but, you know, I, I always want to say like, it's not, it's not certainly not bad. If you are, it's like something to explore, right. um, but you would know, you would notice it in other areas outside of your dreams. Let me say it that way. Okay. So it's unlikely that an erotic dream of the same sex person means that you are gay or bisexual. Okay. If there's nothing else that leads you to wonder, to question that. Okay. Um, it's a very, very, very common. One of the most common dreams is same sex dreams. Okay. Really? Um, yeah. And I mean, dreams are wild. Dreams do yeah. funny things. And dreams almost very rarely mean what we think that they mean in the waking world, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, interesting research about same-sex dreams or erotic dreams that, like, it's not usually even about sex, actually. <laughs> like, you know, let's say you have a really good guy friend and you... I don't know. I'm going to be totally stereotypical. You, like, did yard work with them or whatever, or watched a football game with them or, you know... And then you go to bed and have sex with your partner... And you, the closeness of your like best male friend and the proximity of just having sex with your partner, sometimes in our unconscious and our dream world will get mixed together. Right. Yeah. So that's just an example. Right. So dreams just do funny things. I love dreams, by the way. I love like thinking about my dreams and sharing about my dreams, but they do strange things. So 
Um, you know, that, that's what I just, you know, I don't want, and, and I think people can get upset about same sex dreams. It doesn't sound like this listener is, but, um, I would encourage you not to be like, it's just, it's just a dream. Um, if it's continues to happen or you continue to be worried about it, then, then explore, like find a coach or a therapist that you can explore your sexuality with, but usually a dream, same sex erotic dream in and of itself is not indicative of being gay or bisexual. Yeah. I've definitely had dreams. It, it always happened to me when it'd be like, I was having a dream and I was like, Oh, this woman, Oh my God, we're going to have sex. She's going to have sex with me. This feels amazing. And then all of a sudden it would turn into just this dude. And I was like, but I'm so <laughs> close. I don't want to stop. <laughs> and then I wake up and go, huh? huh. Right. But you're right. Huh. It usually does. It, 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 you're right. You can't, you don't, you're not really controlling your dreams and it's your brain doing a lot of stuff that doesn't mean what you think it means. So, uh, okay. Next question. Yep. I have I have heard that there are some exercises that improve sex or orgasms. Is that true? And that comes from Feel the Burn. <laughs> um, yeah, there are certainly things that can be done to enhance orgasms, you know, as far as exercises. So they tend to be things, so our pelvic floor, right? You've heard me in other episodes talk about Kegels. Um, by the way, Kegels are important for men and women, not just for women. Um, doing Kegels correctly, okay, syncing it up with our breath, um, doing them frequently, right? So you can you can strengthen the pelvic floor musculature, men and women, and it can contribute to better, deeper, like stronger orgasms. Okay, so your Kegels. But then there's also some interesting other ways to work our pelvic floor. And pelvic floor PTs are like phenomenal. They are experts in this. I am not. But I have been taught by a few of them and read some things from them. But things like plank, so you get a cool because you get a core workout, plus you get pelvic floor workout. So your plank, okay, is, is great. Things like walking lunges are also great to work your pelvic floor while in motion. Okay. Cause when, when we're having sex, we're in motion. Right. Um, so those are kind of some pelvic floor things. So your Kegels, your plank, your walking lunges, just to name a few. Um, but then also things like stretching because there are, maybe there's a position that you want to try that you're like, this might be really great, but it like, maybe your hip flexors are a little tight. Well, that's, that's something you can really stretch, work on stretching yoga, that sort of thing. But stretching is actually great to help with sex. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been, the last I've been actually, before you go on, I've been doing that one because the other day, uh, my, my, my partner and I, my, my girlfriend and I were doing some stuff. We were making out and getting a little hot and heavy and my hip locked up and I went, <laughs> I started, I was like, Oh, uh, she thought I was really into it. She's like, Oh, what was he doing? I was like, no, no, no. You gotta get off me. Get off. I had to stretch. I was like, I have to totally. start stretching. This ain't good. I mean, I got to start, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 47. I got to start stretching totally. a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I've had like a camp, uh, a calf cramp, which really effing hurts. And you're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, I got to stretch my calves a little bit. Obviously. You know? ooh, ooh, ooh. Awesome. I know exactly. So stretching is actually really important on, on all levels. But yeah, as we, I mean, it's a great point, Toby. As we age too, we just get stiffer, right? So then to, to help us stay limber um, for sex is a great thing too. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is your breath work, which I've talked about a lot, but just slowing down your breath, breathing deeply, breathing fully, even as pleasure builds, staying with a nice, deep, slow breath will allow you to like have a better orgasm. Yep. Awesome. All right, send in your listener questions. You can send them to Stormy at stormy at lovedeeplab.com or you can send them to me. Um, 
at toby at marriagesupply.com. And also, if you haven't yet, Stormy, your your book is out. Where can they find that book? I know they can go to Amazon. What's the name of it? The Transformational Journey. And it's on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And it's 33 stories about personal transformation. It's my personal story. My chapter is my personal story. Yeah, if you missed the last episode, we talked about it. So go check that out if you haven't heard about it. But definitely pick up Stormy's book. Um, also, you can get 10% off at marriagesupply.com. It's the sex toy store that I own. Um, you can use code SEX101. And then you can follow Dr. Stormy on Instagram at DocStormy1, the number one, or TikTok, Touchy Subjects with three S's. And Marriage Supplies on Instagram as well, the.marriage.supply. Um, and remember folks, this is a fun episode. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say fun, but it was a, an enlightening episode, at least for mm-hmm. me. I, I like that. Uh, the, our saying is always knowledge is power. Sex is power. And you say and the world needs more of both. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it rings true with this episode for me. Knowledge mm-hmm. is power. The more I learned about sex, the more I realized about me, the more I realized mm-hmm. about how I should view uh, my sexual partners and who I want to be. Uh, sexually and as a as, just as a person so you guys uh, we'll see you next week 